Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Scott McCullough, a member of AFT 4848, the Wisconsin Professional Employees Council. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. Hi. I'm Ann Habel, a retired member of AFSCME 171, University Blue Collar Workers. Today, we bring you on-the-ground reporting from the Rally for Union Solidarity, learn what SEIU nurses have to say about patient care concerns, discuss the SAG-AFTRA agreement, hear about an upcoming Starbucks strike, and much more. And, if you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio. A legion of local unions, organizers, and their supporters marched around the Capitol and held a rally on Saturday on Saturday, November 4th, to demonstrate their solidarity and to give voice to their shared struggle. Several labor radio reporters were there interviewing participants and capturing voices from the rally. A broad spectrum of workers from Starbucks to MG&E to True Stage to Madison Sourdough to UW nurses, all with the common goal of advocating for respect in the workplace and a seat at the table in decision-making about working conditions, compensation, and benefits. with the march around the Capitol. Spencer Schleichner, an organizer and employee at Madison Sourdough, sums up the purpose of the rally. We've got a bunch of different unions that are out here today and we're here to show solidarity as a lot of us are in the bargaining process and in all stages of unionizing. At Madison Sourdough, we're a pretty small business. The owners work in the bakery with us, but it's a little bit different from other entities like True Stage or Starbucks, where maybe it's a larger corporation that they're having to struggle with. So a lot of the struggles that we're facing are very different, but we are able to stand together and lean on each other when we need to. Speakers included UW nurses organizing with SEIU Wisconsin. Here is Colin Gillis. When we fight, we, we win. win. Nurses at UW Health know all about fighting. We've been fighting for four years and we've won significant victories. For three years, management refused to meet with us and hear our proposals. We circulated petitions, we put up yard signs, we marched on board meetings. Still, they wouldn't recognize our union. So last summer we decided to go on strike. We collected hundreds of strike pledges and we presented a credible strike threat. And that threat 
brought management to the table. When we fight, we, we win. win. What's happened since? We've made some important progress. We have a union voice at our hospital. Our discipline process for nurses is more fair. Our wages are a little higher than they probably would have been otherwise. But we've also heard a lot of no. And so the struggle continues. Also speaking was Workers United member and Starbucks worker Maeve Perkins. Starbucks may refuse to recognize our union, but they cannot stop us from acting like one. Which is why on the company's most profitable day of business, Red Cup Day, our entire campaign is calling for a one-day national strike. I I ask you to please support us by joining us on November 16th at State Street and Capitol Square, which is right around the corner. Let's hear it for Maeve. And just so you know, the South Central Federation Labor is helping out with that cause too. We'll have flyers that are sent out later. And also, if you're not signed up for our email blasts, sign up. You will get that information along with all the other information with the struggles. That was Kevin Gunlock, president of the South Central Federation of Labor. Speaking from the nonprofit sector was Frida Ballard, the worker cooperative organizer at Worker Justice Wisconsin. So we're a worker center, and in case you're unfamiliar with us, we organize workers, all the different sectors, and I develop co-ops. That's what we do. We try to empower workers, particularly Latino immigrant workers who run this economy. And our wins that we've had lately, like our launch and organizing a hotel where they received a wage increase for the first time in 10 years. And also unionizing Crushing It Apparel with IUPAT. All of these things are only possible because we have a direct say in our workplace. And that's why we want to protect it because otherwise we're leaving it up to chance. And that's why we voted to unionize with OPAU Local 39. And in doing so, we're leading by example. So when our workers come to us and they're scared and they don't know what it looks like to join a union, we can be that example for them. And it also ensures a future of our organization so we can continue to do this work that we're doing. We're the only worker center in the entire state that serves our community. Those were just a few of the many voices speaking at the Solidarity Rally. Thank you to Labor Radio reporters Greg Chabosky, Keith Steffen, and Sean Hagra. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio. UW Health nurses delivered documentation describing concerns over patient safety and staffing to the Department of Health Services. Frank M. Speck has the story. On Thursday afternoon, UW nurses came to the State Department of Human Resources to file forms directly with the DHS documenting the crisis of understaffing, turnover, and burnout throughout the UW health system. The nurses came to DHS to file the forms to emphasize the severity of the issue. Labor Radio spoke with Shari Signer, a registered nurse in the Infusion Center with 20 years experience, and Mariah Clark, a nurse in the Emergency Department with nine years of service. We asked them to describe the issues which forced them to come directly to DHS. Shari Signer spoke first. A couple of the main issues that 
have been filled out the most in our notice of risk forms are from our operating room nurses. Our inpatient OR has lost a very large amount of its staff and they are at critical staffing levels in the operating room, extremely unsafe situations. Another issue is our Save Our Shift nurses, our SOS nurses. They are our generalist critical care nurses in the hospital who come and when nurses call because there's a a rapid decline in a patient care, um, we call our SOS nurses and they know how to help to try to attempt to save that patient. The hospital has recently decided that they were going to disband that group and they believe that any nurse, that any critical care nurse at the hospital can take on the role of SOS and that is not factual. Nurse Clark shared Nurse Signer's concerns. I also have concerns about disbanding SOS, not only because for UW to just think that nurses are are utterly interchangeable and that SOS is a role rather than a specialist job team is ridiculous. Refusal of UW to listen to the nurses brought them to appeal directly to the state, Nurse Clark explains over-reliance on travelers, heavily leaning on on brand new nurses and nurses new to the department in critical situations, lots of turnover, you know, issues where staffing and overcrowding have, have led to a decline in the quality of patient care that we are able to provide. Since we've brought these concerns up with UW Health time and time again, but they've fallen on deaf ears, that's why it was so important for us to escalate today to the Department of Health, because if UW refuses to listen to nurses' concerns and just brush them aside, hopefully they'll listen to the state. Could you address the issue of burnout? We have rising numbers of patients and sicker patients and no additional staff. The burnout leads to high turnover, which in turn results in their hiring a huge number of temp nurses or travelers. Most of this year, the ED at University Hospital has had 40% travelers during the day and over 60% travelers at night. In September of 2022, we reached an agreement with the UW to address staffing challenges through the labor management system. What has been the outcome of those discussions and did the system work? Sherry, the system has not worked. The hospital has been meeting with us at Meet and Discuss, but they have yet to agree to any of the the asks that we have come with. Um, the administration has not followed through with any of their promises, which is also a reason why we have escalated to going to the DHS to see if we can try to have somebody else hold them accountable. What specifically do you want the UW to do? To ask that we asked the hospital were over at our East Madison Hospital. There is only one critical care SOS staff over there. We were simply asking for them to increase that number to two, to always have two critical care nurses at that hospital at all times. We also asked for SOS to be its own separate entity so that group of nurses could not be pulled into staffing. And the hospital turned around and said they were going to disband the SOS team. Let me make sure I understood what you said. You asked for one nurse and they couldn't do that? Is that what happened here? Um, yeah, they, they will not give that East Madison campus a second SOS nurse. In their public response to the nurses, 
The UW hospital claimed that the campaign was part of the nurses' drive for a union, which the nurses denied. UW also stated that the nurses should have gone through the internal procedures and brought the risk form's information directly to the UW administration. Maria Clark summed up the nurses' views. If UW will work with solutions with us, we can provide the remarkable care that everybody in our community deserves. Thank you to Shari Signer and Mariah Clark for this interview. I am Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio. In Monona this week, some key classroom professionals explained to the city why they need a raise. Greg Jabosky reports. On Wednesday night, teachers, parents, and community supporters, many holding signs, packed the meeting room in an overflow viewing area at the Monona Grove School District offices in Monona, asking the Monona Grove School District Board to approve wage increases for Monona teaching assistants and paraprofessionals. In public testimony to the board, David Witte, a 22-year education professional and a father of three children in the Monona Grove School District, including a fifth grader with Down syndrome, explained how he does not want Monona Grove to lose the staff that have been aiding his daughter and other students. Should please do something so they would not keep losing SEA's substitute teachers in and out. It was a revolving door. And that's what I understand Monona Grove School District is about to begin. My daughter deserves better than that. And I ask you to figure out a way to make sure that the SEAs that support her each and every day are there tomorrow and the next day and for the rest of this year. Because it's not about pats or on the back or thanks. It's about paying them what they deserve. Ryan Ramig, an education assistant with eight and a half years of service in the Monona Grove Regional School District, testified what was now necessary to continue in a job he says he loves. Because I've chosen to work in child care and elementary education most of my adult life, I've also had to subsidize my career choice by working a second, sometimes third job. Uh, There's no Friday nights with the family for me after a long work week. Uh, Other families go out and celebrate by ordering pizza or takeout, and I'm stuck taking their order while my parents watch my kids because I can't afford a babysitter. Mendy Doris, Organizing Director for the Wisconsin Education Association Council, or WEAC, spoke to Labor Radio. She was pleased with the public response. So we had a fantastic turnout, hundreds of people here tonight, teachers, parents, and paras talking about the important work they do, the impact they have on students, and requesting that the board honor the union's request for a $3 an hour living wage increase. Michelle Michalik, the Associate Director of Madison Teachers Incorporated, the union representing Madison teachers, explained why she was there holding a sign in support of Monona teaching staff represented by the Monona Grove Education Association, the MGEA. Because their paraprofessionals are looking for a $3 wage increase, so we're here to be in solidarity and support. We think they should get paid more. Mendy Doris listed what the union is asking. 
We're here tonight asking for a $3 an hour living wage increase for all special education assistants and educational assistants. They have some of the lowest starting rates in Dane County. They're currently 12% and 13% respectively below the average starting rate in neighboring districts. That leads to constant turnover and folks simply can't make ends meet on that low of a salary. So we're here fighting for a living wage for all support staff. Remig says that local voters have already shown their approval for the wage increases. Well, Monona just passed a referendum not long ago infusing a lot of money into the school district, and that was meant, one of the many things that was meant to be used for is uh, pay increases for staff. So we're just waiting for them to literally put their money where their mouth is. Doris explains what happens next and what listeners can do. We meet next with the district on November 15th, and we're hoping by then they'll be ready to say yes and give all support staff a living wage. Listeners can contact the school board and encourage them to pay their support staff a living wage. We think all employees uh, who work for this district should be able to live in the district and send their own kids here. So listeners can contact the school board. On the 15th, there'll be a closed session bargain and an open meeting and confer, and of course the public is welcome to come and show their support for our support staff. That was Mendy Doris of WIAC speaking Wednesday at a regular meeting of the Monona Grove School District Board, where a full house gathered in support of wage increases for educational assistance and paraprofessionals. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. Workers at WE Energies are in negotiations for a new contract. IBEW Local 2150 represents 5,500 Wisconsin workers at We Energies, a Milwaukee-based utility company. The workers have been without a contract since August 16th. An overwhelming majority of the members recently rejected a contract offer and authorized the option to strike. Reports indicate that the offer from We Energies fell short of expectations and offered minimal improvements on the issues raised by workers. The AFL-CIO Wisconsin website reports that IBEW Local 2150 union members held informational pickets at American Family Field in Milwaukee and at Fox City Stadium in Appleton on November 4th during the We Energy's Cookie Book Distribution event to raise awareness about the need for a fair contract at the utility. Scott Reinick, president and assistant business manager of IBEW 2150, held a giant recipe card that called for the following ingredients, dignity, respect, work-life balance, listening to, and appreciation for workers. Negotiations are ongoing. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio. Unions have spoken out about the war in Gaza. The American postal workers AFL-CIO issued a statement earlier today. Greg Jabowski has the story. This week, the International Office of the American Postal Workers Union, the APWU, weighed in on the ongoing Israeli attack on the Gaza Strip. The statement, signed by APW President Mark Dimenstein, Executive Vice President Debbie Sheridy, and Secretary-Treasurer Liz Powell, reads in full, The American Postal Workers Union is shocked and saddened by the tragic and ongoing violence in Israel and Palestine. As working people, we stand with the oppressed and the innocent, thousands of whom have lost their lives in the last month. As a union that stands for equality, social justice, human and labor rights, and international solidarity, we unite with unions and people of goodwill around the world in calls for justice 
prayers and peace. We unreservedly condemn the Hamas violence of October 7th, which killed over a thousand Israeli civilians and saw the kidnapping of more than 200 people. However, Israel's response has made the prospects for peace more remote. Over 10,000 innocent civilians, including 4,000 children, have been killed by the relentless and indiscriminate bombing campaign on Gaza. Israel has shut off the flow of food, water, fuel, and medical supplies to the Gaza Strip, a war crime. A humanitarian catastrophe is unfolding every day in Gaza. Thousands more innocent civilians stand to die wholly preventable deaths. We call on our government, which is the primary foreign benefactor of the Israeli government, to use all its power to protect innocent lives and to help bring about peace in the region and not use our tax dollars for more war. We join the calls for an immediate ceasefire, the release of hostages, and urgently needed massive humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. The cries of humanity demand nothing less. Locally, on Wednesday, AFSCME Local 171, representing the blue-collar security and technical employees at UW-Madison, issued a statement which calls upon the South Central Federation of Labor, or SCUFFLE, to issue a resolution to, in part, 1. Call for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza and other affected areas in Palestine and Israel. 2. Urge immediate and massive humanitarian aid to Gaza and affected areas of the West Bank, followed by full reconstruction. 3. Use its influence to get the U.S. to suspend further military aid to Israel that prolongs this conflict. And 4. Call on the U.S. to use its direct influence and use its own influence within the United Nations to promote negotiations whose goal would be peace in the region based on the security, self-determination, and economic and social advancement of both Palestinians and Israelis. As with the National APWU statement, the Local 171 resolution also condemned the October 7th attack by Hamas. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. Employees of Wisconsin Watch, a nonprofit news service, announced in October that they have organized as a Wisconsin Watch union. They are affiliated with the News Guild Communication Workers of America. 80% of eligible staff signed union authorization cards, and the union will represent 10 employees of Wisconsin Watch. Members of the new union want to make clear that they view their organizing as a way to make Wisconsin Watch a stronger, more democratic, and resilient workplace. And the union is a vote of confidence in their employer. They have requested voluntary recognition of the union by the Board of Directors. Next Thursday, November 16th, Starbucks workers across the country will be launching an unfair labor practice strike during the company's most profitable day of the year. Labor Radio has information on how you can get involved. Starbucks Workers United is launching a nationwide day of action next Thursday, coinciding with the company's annual promotional Red Cup Day. Workers at unionized stores in Wisconsin and other states are walking off the job to demand that Starbucks recognize their right to organize and bargain collectively. Red Cup Day traditionally represents the company's most profitable day of the year which also means that it represents one of the busiest and toughest for baristas. As such, Starbucks Workers United hopes to use the increased patronage of their stores to help bring awareness to Starbucks's illicit activity and demand fair treatment. Starbucks workers are asking community members to organize and join additional events to engage with customers and support picketing baristas. In Madison, Scuffle invites community members to join a caravan that will meet at the Madison Labor Temple at noon on the 16th. Caravanners will be traveling to each non-union Starbucks in Madison and leaflet their stores to show support with unionized Starbucks workers. Those joining after the caravan departs the Labor Temple 
can find a full list of leaflet locations and timings located at scuffle.org. That is S-C-F-L dot O-R-G. In La Crosse, Workers United Local 497 is asking for community members to join the picket line to support the strike. Stop by the Starbucks store located at 9432 Wisconsin Route 16 in Onalaska between 7 and 8 a.m. to hand out flyers and carry signs and banners in support of Starbucks workers. For more information on the workers' demands or to locate an action near you, visit the Starbucks Workers United website at starbucksworkersunited.org. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Sean Hagerup. Actors have suspended picket lines across the country after securing a tentative agreement from major studios. Labor Radio has the story. SAG-AFTRA, the national union representing over 100,000 actors, stunt performers, voiceover actors, and dancers, reached a tentative agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers on Wednesday, November 8th. After the announcement of an agreement, the union suspended all picket lines in the early hours of November 9th, after 118 days on strike. Many writer-actors who had been walking both the WGA and SAG picket lines since May and June spent even longer off the job. The agreement brings one of the most significant work stoppages in recent Hollywood history one step closer to a close. After thousands of union writers ratified their agreement with the AMPTP late in September, the Actors Union said in its statement announcing the agreement that the contract would include, quote, above pattern minimum compensation increases, unprecedented provisions for consent and compensation that will protect members from the threat of AI, and for the first time, establish a streaming participation bonus. Artificial intelligence and its role in the production process played a significant part in the negotiations with major studios for both writers and actors, with writers also winning significant protections against its use. The Actors Union said that it would not release more specifics on the tentative agreement until the three-year deal was reviewed by the union's national board and ratified by its membership, which should occur before the end of this week. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Sean Hagerup. And now, here's a Labor Radio reporter with a special announcement. Do you care about workers and labor issues? Do you want to make a difference in our community for working people? Then join the Labor Radio team. Labor Radio is a weekly show that covers labor, social justice, and political issues that impact workers. And we need your help. As a Labor Radio volunteer, you will have the opportunity to report on important labor and social justice stories in your community, interview workers, activists, and experts, produce and edit your own stories. No prior experience is necessary, though a connection with labor is a plus. We will provide training and support. All you need is a passion for worker justice and a desire to amplify the voices of working people. To learn more, contact Volunteer Coordinator Adrian Rainey at 608-321-9583 or head online to wortfm.org slash volunteer to fill out an application. Labor Radio, a voice for workers. Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. 
I'm Scott McCullough. Thanks to editor Frank Emsbach, assistant Robin G., reporters Greg Jaboski, Sean Hagerup, Janine Ramsey, and damage control specialist Joanne Powers. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our reader coordinator, web poster Alice Herman, and to all our readers and the members of IBEW Local 2304, the WORT Staff Collective. And I'm Ann Habel. We would also like to thank all of the generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and Professor Bill Clark. No pasarán, no pasarán.